Welcome to Shift, a college admissions ACT and SAT podcast for a changing world. I'm Tyler, the founder of Achievable, and we have an affordable ACT course that uses memory-based adaptive learning technology to get you better results in less time. You can get a free trial at achievable.me, and if you like it, the code podcast will get you 10% off at checkout. Now, let's get started. Today, we have Scott Webster from Claiborne Education with us. Scott, if you could just introduce yourself and your company, that'd be great. Great. Happy to do so, Tyler. So again, I'm Scott Webster. I am one of the proprietors at Claiborne Education, a firm based out of Central Virginia. And uh, our specialty is working with students in a holistic capacity to develop their portfolios for, for college admission. That ranges from helping them navigate the rigors of their academic life to preparing for standardized tests to developing their portfolio for applying to schools. Right. Great. And so then let's talk about, um, let's talk about the SAT today, right? Like I think that uh, we wanted to go over specific strategies for each section. Great. Uh, so yeah. let's start from the top. Let's do, let's do the reading comprehension first, right? I think this is the one that gives people the most trouble. <laughs> it does. It's somewhat infamous. Uh, so SAT reading, just as a reminder, is um, a very unusual exercise. Most most students have not really ever done this apart from sitting for the PSAT, right? It is a time-constrained reading comprehension assessment that is multiple choice. Like all of those criteria bundled together makes for a very unusual ask <laughs> right where students are so much more familiar with well we're we're reading the iliad and we're we're taking notes on prose and we're having discussion groups and we're writing analytical or argumentative essays it's subjective there's room for creative uh, dialogue that is not at all the case for sat reading um, so that's one of the big constraints that you have to work around initially the format of the exam. So uh, some of the most helpful uh, advice that I can give my reading students is that it starts with strategy. It starts with recognizing the constraints of the test, recognizing Mm -hmm. that it's not calling on prior knowledge, but it is on-demand, open-book evaluation. That means you can take a significant burden off of yourself uh, by recognizing that you will be rewarded for choosing the right multiple choice answer. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's, that they will not ask you to memorize or recall information or argue some uh, analytical position. Um, it is funny enough, right? It is know how to answer the questions correctly. So right. uh, a strategy uh, could be very simple for navigating a particular type of passage. We we typically specify per genre of passage how you should approach it, but universally we say try to annotate minimally but effectively, right? So find mm-hmm. the most critical statements in the structure of the passage. Thankfully, for most um, argumentative or analytical pieces, the the structure is very predictable. 
right? You have an introductory paragraph, a body of evidence, and a concluding paragraph, and you can really prioritize good composition principles, meaning mm -hmm. if you're only going to focus on a set amount of information, focus on intro conclusion, focus on topic sentences of the body. Don't get lost in the details because the details don't matter unless they pertain to the approximately 10 questions asked per uh, passage. Right. And then you mentioned that you have specific strategies for different like types of reading prompts. Do you have anything that you want to share on that or sure. you know, go into yeah. those? I'd be happy to. So, um, for example, the first passage on the SAT is almost always literary in, in its mm. composition. And so we, we should be prepared as test takers to read a literary passage in a particular way. We're not going to focus on a thesis because there is no thesis. We're not going right. to focus on evidence supporting that thesis, once again, because there's no thesis and no evidence. Instead, we have to know what to prioritize, and that is characterization, right? It's exposition. Um, so we recommend annotating, you know, underlining or circling or, or taking notes in the margin very briefly about where you first encounter the name of a character, where you see a critical development in um, the plot, right? This character was here, but now they moved here, something to that effect. Uh, some anything that's emotive that reveals the the frame of mind of the character. SAT writers like questions about um, transitionary places. So look for places where a character is introduced, but then maybe changes their mind or feels this way, but that changes. Knowing what to anticipate is a big part of prep. Um, Right. So that's true of the literary passage. If we move into the other passage types, though, it's very different. Uh, there, there's some overlap, mm -hmm. of course, but uh, in a science passage, uh, you can expect very much informational, not necessarily argumentative, but maybe it's about some physics phenomenon, uh, astronomical phenomenon that you may or may right. never they heard of. They love the astronomy ones. <laughs> they do. Right. Astrophysics, uh, anything in that um, vehicle, they they will deploy with the expectation that you probably haven't read it before. And that, that's right. revealing, right? They care about your ability to parse through new information. And that means, once again, the the devil is in the details only when you're answering specific questions don't try to comprehend everything. In fact, if you finish your initial reading of the passage and are confused, that's normal. Focus on higher order development in the passage. So again, intro. In this case, evidence, a major swath of the, the science passage is evidence. Just glance at topic sentences. See if there's some sort of organizational development there. If there are key terms or theories or authors that are introduced, because those are likely to show up in the questions. Mm -hmm. um, uh, there are other genres. Maybe the, the big differentiating one is a historical document. Many students dread reading 
material that was you know published two centuries ago, <laughs> founding fathers right. documentation. Um, that that's a difficult one. If you're not well versed in interpreting primary source material from that era, you may just need some more exposure. And there are great resources available on that in terms of reading some of those founding documents. But in a vacuum, again, try to focus on higher order developments in the passage, the, the general theme of the passage, and then do your specific analysis through the question. Great. All right. Yeah, that's really helpful. Now, I'd love to move on to writing and language, the next verbal section here. Great. And this is much simpler, thankfully. Reading is is a, is a bear. Um, mm -hmm. Writing and language is shorter, uh, more accessible. It's 44 questions and about half the amount of time that the reading section is. And yet, mm -hmm. it is equally weighted. So... Um, half of your verbal score out of 800 is going to come from this section. So prioritize this first. Uh, it, it really comes down to two uh, arenas of review. One, grammar, right? Simple principles for how sentences are composed, how subject mm -hmm. leads to verb, leads to object, what punctuation to deploy and where. These are rules-based so in the same way that you would review math formulas or scientific principles, you can go about writing principles the same way. Um, there are great resources for this for free. Uh, College Board partners with Khan Academy, and they have some great modules there. And of course, there, mm -hmm. there's an endless um, market for this as well uh, for other publishers. Um, right. The trickier side of writing language is the rhetorical side. Uh, rhetorical just meaning uh, no longer concerned with the, the, the nuts and bolts uh, mechanics behind sentence composition, but the tone and variety of sentence structure, the, the sequencing of ideas, the relevance of ideas. So... This is, this is harder to identify. Once again, Khan Academy has some resources on these, but our recommendation for the rhetoric side of writing a language is to work through practice test material, again, available through the College Board and Khan Academy, and see which kinds of questions you're missing, right? Are you consistently missing transitionary device questions? Do you not know what heretofore versus whereas or notwithstanding means, then that might just be a place for you to do uh, some digging, right? A little bit of mm -hmm. supplementary review on vocab. Uh, maybe it's not transitionary elements, though that's a common offender. Maybe it's uh, identifying what sequence the paragraph should be in. Should this sentence go first, second, third, last? Um, that one requires more time and effort. So there, there is something strategic about uh, not being married to the sequence of the questions. They're not going to penalize you for skipping a question. If you forget to bubble that in, you, nothing happens. No penalty is, is uh, in place. So if you see a question you know you struggled with historically, maybe it is one of those much more 
tedious, involved questions like paragraph order, then mm-hmm. flag it, circle it, move on to the easier punctuation questions uh, that you feel more confident about. And before you move into the next paragraph, or sorry, the next passage, go back and take a glance at your paragraph order and sequence question. Uh, but that's pretty much it on the writing language section. Again, a function of repetition, but also some more refined and specific review. Great. Now let's get into math. And yes. so let's start with the, the fun math, which is the no calculator math <laughs> section. So tell me a bit about how you approach this section and what the tricky parts are and the strategies for those. Absolutely. So um, once again, it's helpful to recognize the relative weight of the section in, in the aggregate. So we're talking about a 25-minute exercise, relatively short in, in the scheme of the SAT. Uh, 25 minutes, 20 questions. Recall that the SAT math section is 58 questions total. So we're looking at you know about 30%, 33% almost of the test is embedded here. It means it's important, of course, but it's not nearly as critical as the calculator portion. Um, No calculator can cause students great anxiety, especially if they are chemically dependent on their computational device in school. (laughs) Hopefully that isn't (laughs) the case. Um, But we have to recognize that the no calculator portion of the test is so much more a measure of your understanding your comprehension of math and how to deploy it versus raw computation crunching the numbers solving for x so this is uh, it's common practice but a good starting point is to take a no calculator math section uh, check your answers and identify the kinds of questions you're missing um, once you've done that uh, there are fairly universal strategies you can deploy. We, we strongly encourage developing a consistent analytical approach to every question. A, a quick insight into our methodology would be you need to gather information first, know what terms are being deployed, and what quantitative factors are at play. How many variables? What is the structure of this question? Once you've gathered that information, you need to know what what your end goal is, right? Uh, What are you working towards? And and then for most of the questions, it's multiple choice. So you can see where you need to end up, somewhere within that range of A, B, C, D. After you've gathered information, though, the, the hardest part is evaluating how you're going to uh, use that information. That's That's where... As a tutor, for example, in math, I spend a lot of time with my students. So we have the information, but what do we do with it? Do we write an equation? Can I write an equation? Uh, If not, can I plug in some concrete values into the answer choices? Maybe that will get me somewhere. Throughout it, we strongly encourage you to use process of elimination. Statistically, if you can eliminate even one answer choice uh, for every question posed, you have a much greater uh, opportunity to score uh, better on that section. Um, but then finally, it's execution. So if you notice that you've done the, the information gathering correctly, 
you have a good game plan, but then you circled the wrong answer. <laughs> you uh, made a, a calculation error and they accounted for that in a wrong answer, then that's a place for you to, again, revisit and work on. Yeah, and work on the basics probably. Make sure you're not making any mistakes with just like arithmetic, multiplication, etc. Definitely. And personally, for me, the big hurdle was organizational, right? I was fine as a test taker gathering the information. I knew generally what I needed to do with it, and I could execute on it, but I often didn't because I had stuff on the page all over the place. <laughs> like It was just like mm -hmm. finding some like weird Picasso mathematical anomaly and trying to somehow configure that into A, B, C, or D. So some, it might be worth uh, looking at some example videos on how to structure your, uh, your thought process systematically and go from there. Um, the last thing I'll Great. mention, Tyler, unless you had another question, no. um, is that it, it's important to recognize again that the pattern in math is early questions are easier, later questions are harder. And so a big mm -hmm. part of section strategy for both math sections is low-hanging fruit, right? Answer the easiest questions first. They're all weighted equally, so you won't be rewarded proportionally greater for hard questions, and it's typically a time sink. Right, exactly. And then do you have any additional tips for the calculator section, on yeah. the calculator math section? Uh, briefly, because it, it really is just more more of the same, more math. I think what I've noticed over the years about the calculator portion is that it is fundamentally a cognitive endurance challenge. The math that they deploy in the calculator portion is fairly accessible, really mm -hmm. doesn't exceed trig. So right. as a junior, you, in theory, for most juniors, have encountered all of the math that's going to be on the calculator portion. But there is a ton of information. There are data tables all over the place. There are word problems, uh, unending. And so at the end of a four-hour exam, you know, it's probably three, three and a half hours into the exam at this point. It's a question of how much do you have left in the tank? Do you have some coping strategies that you can tap into to just pace yourself through that last chunk? It's 55 minutes. It's it's a pretty significant undertaking, and, and you're tired. You're tapped out. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, feel free to take breaks, right? Um, take it one page at a time. Treat it like I'm going to get through this page, bubble in my answers, and then I'm going to put my pencil down and take like, 10 seconds just to take a deep breath stretch rinse repeat try to push through and that's what i would add for the calculator portion great thanks so much this has been shift a college admissions podcast for a changing world hosted by tyler from achievable with scott webster from claiborne education you can get a free trial of achievables act course by going to achievable.me and use the code podcast if you like it to get 10% off when you buy it.